Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Maddie A. What's going on, guys? Maddie A here. Welcome into today's show. I've got an amazing guest for you guys today. If you've ever traveled, you know the website Kayak, a very successful hospitality and travel website. And that was created by none other than my man, Paul English, who is our guest today. And Paul um, has had many successful ventures and companies beyond Kayak, uh, some amazing things that he is working on right now, some amazing companies that he has sold. He's also a very successful and well-known um, angel investor and venture capitalist uh, who has helped many startup companies scale and have successful exits. Um, but he's somebody that is, again, the definition of what we like to call on the Millionaire Mindcast as a whole life millionaire, somebody that has been an absolute killer in business, but lives just as intentionally, just as purposefully, just as strategic as he does in business in all other areas of his life as a father, as somebody who takes care of their health, that is big into the nonprofit world. Um, Paul's doing some amazing things out there, and I've got a lot of respect for Paul. Um, and every time he talks and speaks, uh, you want to listen. Uh, he's very calm. He has this um, very gentle yet commanding energy and character about him and how he shows up, and uh, just an extremely wise Guy, So I'm excited for you guys. If you've never known who Paul is or seen any of his content, because he's really not out there in terms of social media, I try and bring you guys individuals that um, have so much wisdom. And I don't want to say gatekeep themselves and or their wisdom, um, but not everybody is right looking to be a social media star. And he's one of these individuals that behind the scenes is an absolute assassin in so many good ways. So you guys are in for a treat in today's episode. Before we jump in, if you're new to the show, welcome. Uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button if you're not subscribed to the podcast yet. We have three episodes each and every week where we bring in millionaire guests for you to learn from their journey, their experiences, and pull down things that resonate with you based on where you're at in your journey and your goals and what kind of rich life you're trying to create and unlock for yourself, knowing that it's different for everybody. We like to learn from other individuals to kind of hack our way to getting there a little bit faster, a little bit more effectively, a little bit more efficiently, right? But also to help avoid those mistakes that we know we're gonna make, especially if you try and go on this journey alone. With that being said, we have Wealth Building Wednesdays. Myself and my co-host, Mr. Ryan Breedwell, our uh, resident financial advisor on the show. And we talk all things money. So stock market updates, real estate updates, current events and news that impact you, your money, your investments. And then Fridays, a little mindset. Friday Food for Thought to give you something that is going to challenge you, that's going to inspire you, that's going to get you thinking because at the end of the day, right, all we can do is create more awareness in our life around the areas that matter, get clarity in those things, and take the necessary actions to get in the results that we want. And that is what you're going to get here in today's episode with some great tactical topics and strategies that we talked about. Most importantly, you know, a lot of us when we want to build big lives, we create a lot of chaos and a lot of pressure and a lot of stress in our lives. And Jeff shared something with me in today's episode that I'm going to bring um, into 
many aspects of my life moving forward. And he talks about the four corners, the secrets to little stress in life. We talked about traveling. We talked about creativity, curiosity, the wealth disparity and why that is. Um, we really talked about you know, how he has built and designed his life, how he invests in companies, what he looks for. So many cool things that I know you guys are going to enjoy in today's show. So know that anything that we talk about, all resources, links, anything that he mentioned will be in the show notes at millionairemindcast.com. If you're watching this on YouTube, just check out the show description below. Um, we have all kinds of freebies, downloads, and resources for our Millionaire Mindcast family. Uh, if you want my free real estate investing course, text the word invest to 844-447-1555. If you want Ryan and his team to do a free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio at no cost, uh, make sure that you're not getting overfeed, making sure that your allocations are aligned with where you want to go and when you want to get there by. Um, he will do that for free. Just text the word X-ray to 844-447-1555. Also, if you're not taking advantage of life insurance or the infinite banking concept, as so many of the wealthy do, I highly recommend checking out becomethebank.info. Of course, all of our investor swag, our Rich Life swag, the Rich Life Planner, can be found at therichlifestore.com. And with that being said, let me wrap up all of this housekeeping. Let's dig into today's episode. You guys are going to have a lot of fun in this particular episode with my man, Paul English, right after today's quick message from our show sponsor. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales, and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Well, I'm excited to welcome into the show today, Mr. Paul English. How are we doing, man? I'm having a great day, although I don't know about all these snowstorms we're having in Boston. It was really pretty at first, but pretty cold out there today. Yeah, you said uh, you, you came from Miami uh, to be welcome home back to Boston for <laughs> a couple, what, two or three snowstorms in the first week that you're back in town? Yeah, I, Miami was like magical. It was really fun to be able to walk five miles a day, go biking every afternoon, enjoy the beach. And then to come home for the first snowstorm with, you know, it's very pretty, but three snowstorms in a row, that's, it's kind of a lot, big shock to the system. Yeah, it definitely, uh, it, it tests your resolve to see how hardcore of a Bostonian are you, right, Paul? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so what were you doing out in Miami? 
I was working half days for months. So I would work in the mornings. Um, hey, Paul, if you don't I, mind, will you pull your um, your headphone out just a little bit because it's rubbing on your sweatshirt and I'm picking up a... Okay, sure. Is that better? Yeah, some, something was rubbing um, on the audio. Okay. And yeah, we so, won't restart because that's on this show, it's all about real life, man. So, <laughs> All right, sounds great. Um, yeah, I was in Miami just to experiment what it'd be like to have a warm January. That was really my real motivation. And then I took some time off. I worked in the mornings and took the afternoons off to kind of work out and be outside. Very cool. And so were you just working remotely down there on businesses? I was. Okay, got it. Yeah. And so obviously that's... um, Well, first and foremost, how long have you been doing that? The lifestyle you're living right now that you get to enjoy, obviously, um, you know, we'll dig in and we'll talk about some of the big, you know, stepping stones and accomplishments you've had over your entrepreneurial journey and what led you to where you're at. But how long... Have you been living kind of this business life balance and uh, in your world? So I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've created half a dozen companies and I've also created three nonprofits. I've been traveling about 100,000 miles a year for the last 10 years or so. Um, I started increasing my travel at the beginning of Kayak, a company I co-founded in 2004. I had sold a company, a couple of companies before that and did pretty well that gave me the financial freedom to travel. And then running Kayak, which is a travel company, kind of got me even more interested in travel. Right. So I kind of picked up the pace and just have never looked back. I just am obsessed with experiencing new cultures, meeting people from around the world, um, experiencing new food, kind of the whole thing. So I'm addicted. I love it, man. That's amazing. You know, I know a lot of people know you for Kayak, which is the travel company. Um, It sounds like what you founded that in 2004, 2012, you guys took it public. 2013, you sold it for uh, $2 billion. I'm curious, uh, you know, when that happened, was it the sunset moment? I'm riding off into, you know, into, uh, into paradise or what was that feeling like? Uh, when you guys actually had kind of that that big successful payday and payout, knowing that obviously you've kind of had some previously, but what what was that like for those that may not have experienced that before? It was pretty exciting. I mean, we had the first two years of kayak were a little bit iffy. We weren't sure we we're going to make it. Uh, we had we spent about a dollar to buy keywords on Google to have people come to our website, and on average, we had about twenty cents per visitor. So we were losing. A lot of money very quickly. And it took us a couple of years where most of our traffic came to us for free because their friends had used Kayak and said, hey, go to kayak.com and book flights and hotels. And once we started getting free traffic, then things started looking really good. And we started making a lot of money. Um, when we took it public 2012, I mean, the good news was we had, if I remember correctly, I had 200 employees. We had 300 million in revenue, so a million and a half revenue per employee which is bigger not only than anyone in travel, it was more than Google and more than Facebook. So we were like a very, very tight ship, like very, very profitable. And the good news is when we took it public, over half our employees became millionaires. My assistant bought a house. Um, you know, anyone who'd been there for a while made, made some pretty good money. And I remember doing the math when we were talking to the bankers about what price to take it out at. I wasn't calculating how much money I made I was calculating how much money the average engineer made and how much money my assistant made. 
And I knew that if I could get them some money, that's like, yeah, it, it'd work well for me too. Yep. That's such a great mindset going into it. And that's, I think, uh, a leadership's mindset, right? As you guys went into creating Kayak, um, was, was that the vision of you know, where you thought you guys would end up at? Or how close was it to where you initially you know, thought Kayak would end up? Yeah. So with each of my companies, I've done um, five successful companies in a row now. And with each company, I didn't set out on day one with a financial goal in mind. I always said that with each of my companies, I had three priorities I worked on every day. So it was team, for, team first, customer second, profit third. And that sounds really backwards. And maybe you would think, how am, I to, how am I able to raise so much venture capital when I put profit as number third priority? But it's literally the way I think. And I think if you are truly honest about trying to recruit the best possible team you can and making sure they're really invigorated and just excited about their job and, you're, and they're learning really rapidly, you're creating a learning machine all the right things happen. So if you have a really great team, and then number two, you focus them on customers and try to really delight customers and surprise them with something they couldn't get anywhere else, all the finances just fall into place. Mm. How, um, how would you say your, your company culture was? If there was you know, something that you were most proud about in terms of, you know, obviously you're a great recruiter and bringing great talent into your organization, putting them in the right seats, empowering them. You know, if you were to pinpoint one or two things about the culture that you created that you were most proud of, what would that be? I would say, if I had to pick two things, I would say loving. Like working for... If you ever work for one of the companies and someone in your family gets sick, you're, you're in a good place because we take care of people. Like we make sure that they have the time they need to take care of matters outside of work. And we always make those investments because one, it's the right thing to do. And two, if you take care of your team, uh, you get paid back 10 times over mm-hmm. loyalty from that team and from people seeing you take care of people. So I think trying to create a loving culture. And the second thing, and this is not opposite from that, it might sound it, but we're very direct, very, very transparent. And I believe as an entrepreneur, you should be direct and honest with your board of directors. Don't ever try to hide stuff from them. If you're worried about something's not going well, the company, tell them and use them as a sounding board and use them to help you figure out problems. And you should treat your employees the same way. Just be transparent about what things you're excited about, what things are going really well, and what things you're worried about. And I think a lot of times employees are smarter than people give them credit for. And if the management team just lays out exactly what they're, what's going well and what's not going well, you then energize the team to figure out how to improve things. And it's, love just, it's just a very efficient way to run a company. Like, I don't like running a company with spin and secrets and levels of information. Um, I like just sharing information. Yeah. Yeah. There, it creates this collectivity, right? And the, yeah. everybody feels like they have DNA and kind of uh, the, the helix of, of genome that the company is and what they stand for and where they're moving. I, I really like that. I'm finishing actually reading a book. Um, called the 15 uh, Commitments of Conscious Leadership. And one of the things that they talk heavily about is, is candor and transparency within the work environment and organization. And obviously, that was something that you know, really served uh, all the individuals within your, within your company. Yeah, I think it really, it really creates a really great environment where people feel valued. They feel appreciative that you give them complete information 
we share the financials with the entire company. So they know when we're having a good month, when we're having a bad month. And then we are all on the same side of the table working to improve things. Yeah. That, that, that ownership, I think, is, uh, is a big piece, right? Um, which a lot of people obviously haven't felt in corporate America for many decades prior. So you said something that stood out to me in terms of five successful companies. And there's you know, one common denominator, at least from what I know, in that. And that is, uh, that's you, Paul English. So what do you think it is about you, based on some of the reflections you've had, that you've done really well as a leader? Or maybe what are some of the areas that you, know, you felt like were gaps that you needed to attack spotlight, you got in the trenches, rolled up your sleeves that really paid dividends over the course of building those companies. Yeah, we could probably spend more time talking about all my weaknesses <laughs> and my strengths. But um, I mean, on the strength side, I run design teams. I like designing products and coming out with things that are just shockingly different from alternatives. And I like recruiting um, and kind of creating that company culture. On the weaknesses side, and I have many the way I mitigate my weaknesses is I hire people who can do things that I can't do. So for example, I'm terrible at process. I have a terrible memory. Um, I can be impatient sometimes. Um, yeah, I need people around me that have really great operational chops because I'm more working with the team on the new ideas and conceptualizing what a product or service could be and what it could look like. And early discussions with customers and prospects. And I'm less about the finances and running the company day to day. So I need partners in my company who can do that stuff because I can. Yeah. Yeah. You got your visionaries, you got your integrators, right? People that are, are, are pushing the, the vision forward, the people that are actually making it happen and integrating it. Um, what has been you know, for you in terms of being that person that is kind of... You just can't turn it off, right? How do you keep and create that balance when you're in the trenches, when you know you have to you know, work uh, as hard as you possibly can in order to get something, some traction and momentum behind it? You know, how, how do you handle and approach kind of that work-life balance? Um, and what do your routines and habits look like to keep Paul you know, right in that zone of genius? So I, um, I'm pretty disciplined about my time management. Now, if I told you all the things I work on, you might think it sounds like a lot. It sounds like a stressful life because my day job is running Lola.com. We do business travel and expense. It's a very, we've raised $80 million. We've um, 70 people right now. It's a sort of hard driving startup. I also have a couple side projects that we might talk about here in, in a minute. Um, I'm running three nonprofits that I started. I teach. Um, I'm really close to my siblings. I'm one of seven. I cook dinner for them every Tuesday night for the last 11 years. I have a neighbor who's 94 that I look after. He comes to my, to my uh, meetings. I bring him to all his doctor's appointments. Like We become really close friends. And it might sound like a lot to do all that. However, I have very little stress in my life. Mm. And I think one of the secrets I've done is just to be disciplined about my calendar management. So I use Google Calendar. All my appointments are colored one of four colors. Um, Purple is Lola, which is kind of like my Monday, Friday, nine to five. Lola is, has to be a brand color. So I, I color my Lola meetings with that. Yellow is nonprofit meetings. I tend to do about eight hours of nonprofit meetings a week, sometimes uh, more than that, sometimes 40 hours. Um, green is self-improvement. It could be everything from 
going to the gym, going to the doctor, going to meditation class. I take meditation classes on Thursday nights for the last three years and now on Monday nights as well. And I've gone to several retreats. Um, that has helped keep me in balance. And then blue is everything else, kind of friends and family. So I have an amazing executive assistant. Her name is Eliza. And every Monday, Friday, her and I look at my calendar two weeks in advance, two weeks ahead, and we make sure that there's a balance. And if there's a balance that I'm getting all four corners of my life in, life feels really good to me. And I don't feel a lot of stress. Mm. You know, there's, there's tricks about how I run meetings and how I handle email that let me get a lot done with little time. And um, those are things that I've honed over the years. That's brilliant, man. I love that. I'm I'm a big calendar guy myself. I always tell people if it's not my calendar, it doesn't exist. Um, And just having that planning, right? It just gives me the clarity I need to get in the trenches and hit the ground running. Um, Because when I'm unclear is usually when I get overwhelmed and stressed out and what am I missing, right? And so really important in terms of your morning routines, your evening routines, you know, which one do you like better? What do you feel like um, is is a must-have and staple that every entrepreneur, business, or person really should uh, make sure that they're incorporating in based on what has served you at such a high level, running so many different things and keeping so many plates spinning. I mean, to me, it's again, it's a ba- it's the balance of those, what I call the four corners of my life, making sure I'm doing well with those. Working out is really important. So I work out with trainers three days a week. Um, I'm always trying to be physically active. So again, you know, January was a really special month for me in Miami that I walked at least five miles every day and went biking every afternoon. And I think um, being physically active, sometimes while you're working, is a really good thing. I find that I'm really creative when I'm physically active. So a lot of my good ideas come from just taking long, brisk walks or bike rides or whatever. Um, I think just really keeping a balance of each of those things is what allows me to have peak performance. As far as schedule, you know, for many, many years, I slept four hours a night on average, sometimes much less than that. The thing I should tell you about myself, and I'm pretty open about this, is I'm bipolar. And I had a lot of difficulties in my 20s with bipolar illness. Um, One of the things is I was like super manic for years and slept very little. For the last few years... I'm on a couple of meds right now that help me manage the bipolar stuff. And one of the meds has a side effect that I now sleep eight hours a night and I love it. (laughs) I wake up in the morning with a lot of energy. And so I have a lot of ideas right when I wake up. I have a notebook next to my bed where I'll, you know, kind of draw products and come up with ideas for products and then, um, you know, get, get right started on my day right in the morning. That's amazing. And do you feel like looking, you know, on both sides of the, I guess, polar ends of the spectrum of very little sleep to more sleep. Um, you know, I'm one of those guys that is kind of the four to five hour guy. And I get a lot of people that are like, man, you need six, seven, eight at a minimum. What, what research have you done or, or just from your own experience, how has that helped you show up uh, getting a little bit more sleep? And, you know, because you obviously were covering ground on both sides of the spectrum, right? Yeah. I've read a few books about sleep. And I've listened to podcasts about sleep, different doctors who have their different theories about it. And I guess I would say it's funny there's something about, and I don't know if this is unique to American culture. I don't know how much it's like this in other countries, but sometimes we pride ourselves on how little sleep we get. Right. That's really unhealthy. I think if some people need eight hours or nine hours a night, they shouldn't feel bad about that. 
as long as you get up and you're ready to go and you're productive in the morning, I think you can be more productive with eight hours than people who sleep only four hours. I mean, it's different for each people. Some people chemically need less sleep than others, you know, and that's okay. Uh, when I was kind of unmedicated, I didn't sleep very much for years, but I feel more um, consistent right now. And I feel like I'm productive all the time now. I, I get my that. eight hours and the rest of the 16 hours, I feel productive. I'm always getting something done or I'm listening to podcasts to learn. I'm reading books to learn. You know, I'm engaged. I'm very selective who I spend time with. And that's another one of my life hacks is there are all these sayings that you're the average of the five people you spend time with, right? And if you want to improve your life, improve the people you hang out with. If you want to lose weight, hang out with people that are thin. You know, if you, if you want to drink less, hang out with people that are sober. If you want to get better at business, hang out with people that are good at business. Right. And I'm selective about who I spend time with. I spend time with people who have interests like mine. I do a lot of nonprofit work. I spend a lot of time with people who care about Haiti, for example. I have a big project in Haiti. Nice. And that, when I hang out with Haitians, and there are a lot of Haitians in Boston, um, it makes me a sharper leader for the nonprofit I'm running in Haiti. So be selective. Hang out with people who inspire you and grow you and make you a better person, more productive person. It shouldn't be just like, I get the whole downtime thing, but if you're literally just like sitting in bars, you know, getting drunk or just partying to have a good time, you're not learning during that time. Mm -hmm. So for me, for maximum productivity, you want to find a way to energize yourself while you're learning and improving yourself. And I think it's completely possible. And a lot of it is that decision around the people that motivate you and the people you can learn from. It's one of those things where uh, so many people don't audit you know, who they're surrounding themselves with or where they're spending their time in when you can get kind of purposeful and find that alignment of killing two or three birds with one stone, right? That, that hack that you said just allows you to cover multiples of ground that you probably wouldn't color, cover otherwise if you weren't being as intentional or as purposeful um, or really just as aware, right? It sounds like you're a very aware guy. Um, have you always been intuitive and aware about some of these things and as purposeful about some of these things in your life? Or what has that kind of journey to enlightenment or awareness looked like for you? I think um, I was a terrible student for like, let's say throughout high school, um, I graduated at the bottom of my class and I kind of went to college by accident. I only applied to one college and didn't get in. I applied to Boston College and they rejected me. Um, and then last minute, I found out I could get into UMass Boston and I studied music and computers there and played in the jazz band. I wrote for the jazz band, worked full time as a programmer. And it wasn't until after I graduated college that I started really developing appreciation for learning. And I think college opened my eyes to international students from other countries. And then I became interested in how do people from Vietnam think? How do people from France think? And that began a quest for me towards learning and mm. exposing myself to people who have different experiences than me and different ideas than me. And that searching led me to study Buddhism, for example, mm. which is something I'm very interested in. And so I've, I've read a lot of books about Buddhism. I listen to tapes. I go to retreats. And to me, it's not that Buddhism necessarily is the right answer for all people, but it's more like having a system for learning. And for me, 
um, mindfulness resonates and acceptance. You know, there's, there's a saying in Buddhism, we talk about clinging. And if you cling to the past, you're just creating stress for yourself. Clinging equals stress. If you instead have acceptance and you lean forward and you think about what, what's working right now, what are you happy about right now, having this gratitude practice, but then leaning forward to the world you want to create, it allows you to live a life with very little stress. That's brilliant. I love that. Yeah, it's interesting to see how a very common thread amongst, um, and I guess the, de- the definition of success and wealthy and you know all of those things is is kind of subjective based on the eye of the beholder. But um, you know, we'll just you know for our listeners who understand the whole life millionaire, somebody financially abundant, but also lives very intentionally and purposefully in all areas of their life. One common trait and characteristic I see in every single one of them is this insatiable curiosity. I mean, it's a humble curiosity too of going, you know, I I don't know everything, but I want to learn. I want to learn about that person or that thing and figure out how I can integrate it into my own life. Um, And it has some kind of ripple effect in whether it's their company or the nonprofits that they work with or in their own families or whatever it may be. Um, Are there any other characteristics that you see in others successfully that you've worked with or that has really worked well for you that others can cultivate, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be something that is innate to you. It's, you know, you have it or you don't, but something that they can cultivate within that um, has served you or served others or that you think can help individuals on their journey to maybe unlocking more wealth or success or kind of freedom in their own life. I mean, I like your comment about learning. I think to be successful in life, however you define success, whether it's financial or healthy family relationships, healthy, healthy romantic relationships, however you define success, to be curious about it and to become students of other people that have success in the domains you want to be successful at. So one of my life hacks I discovered maybe just five years ago is I'm kind of introverted by nature. I'm probably a little bit on the spectrum. And so cocktail parties are always a little bit awkward for me. But what I learned maybe five years ago is if you're at a quote unquote networking event, and I don't really like networking events, but occasionally I have to go to them. So I go to a networking event, I find one person who's kind and I try to learn as much as I can from them. Love that. And it doesn't matter what they do. Like they literally, it could be someone who's working at the restaurant where the event is, but I just find someone who's kind and then I try to learn a little bit about their life. And by learning from other people and trying to think about modeling yourself after other lessons and other people, it just allows you to grow in the domains where you want to grow. That's such a cool intention. I always say when I go to like networking events or conferences or masterminds, my goal is that if I meet one great person that I know I'm going to do business with or want to be a friend with or you know just want to learn and grow alongside, that's a win for me, right? And um, I kind of like coupling that with what you said of like, just find one kind person. I like that you said kind there. One kind person and asking as many quality questions about that person. I just finished uh, rereading every year. I reread um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That's by a Dale, great, that's by, a great By Dale Carnegie. And it reminds me of one of the chapters that he talks about of, you know, consistently getting other people to talk about themselves, right? And if you can be a good question asker, it's such a great way of, building a connection and kind of bridging the stranger to stranger gap. 
um, and really how much that does serve you in interpersonal relationships and connections and you know where that might lead to, who knows. But I think that's a good reminder for anybody, whether you're an introvert or extrovert, right? Of just, you know, find somebody and be naturally curious about them, whether it can serve you or not. Yeah, I think that's excellent. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. Very cool. And when you, um, you know, as we kind of wrap up and, you know, get a better feeling of what is next for you, because I know you're always working on new things before we talk about some of those new things that you're, uh, you're excited and working on. Were, were you, when you got into entrepreneurship, I know for a lot of people, um, you know, money is the motivation for a lot of people. Some people it's freedom, some people it's impact. Um, what was your motivation for becoming an entrepreneur and starting on this path that has led you to so many successful kind of stepping stones? Yeah. I mean, the thing for me that excites me about all of my companies has been a company is an excuse to hang out with really cool people, right? Like Ooh. during the day, my kids go to school, so I can't play with my kids in the middle of the day. So I have to find some other cool people to hang out with. And if you're a good recruiter, you can build these magical teams where you're getting stimulation and learning and support and just really fun environment. So I like the team aspect. And the second thing is I like invention. I'm obsessed with inventors. I like reading books about inventors. You know, I like Benjamin Franklin, one of my favorite inventors. And I uh, often lecture on creativity at different universities. And I've lectured literally at film schools music schools, art schools, business schools, engineering schools. And to me, the common thread with invention, if you want to be a great inventor, it's to focus on the right problems. I've often said that most tech companies that fail don't fail because their programmers didn't know how to code. They fail because they built a solution to a problem that no one cares about. Mm. And so being a good inventor, the first step is what problem you're trying to solve do a lot of people have this problem? Like, how do you vet that it's a really, really big problem? And once you have 
um, determine that the problem you want to attack is a really, really big problem, then you align yourself with people who just keep trying and trying and trying until they solve that problem. The problem is more important than the solution. I look at it as an investor. I've invested in 53 companies, and my investment thesis is 70% who the founders are. Are they charismatic, confident, aggressive in the good ways, humble, ethical, kind? Can they recruit? Are they good storytellers? That's 70% of my decision. 20% of my decision is what problem are they trying to solve? Like, do I think it's a big problem? Does it interest me? Um, are there industry shifts that are happening that are causing this to be a bigger problem? And then 10% of my investment decision is, so tell me what your product is. And I'm exaggerating a little bit because I probably care more than 10%. But the point I'm trying to make is successful companies have incredible teams and they focus on important problems. So if you want to make money at a company as an entrepreneur, focus on those two things first, which is how to get put together these magical teams and how to really make sure the problem you focus on is a really huge problem. Mm. That's powerful right there. And I love what you said. I want you glossed over, but it was so, so great in terms of you know, one of the reasons why you got into business and created great businesses was to have an excuse to hang out with really amazing people. And it's, and it's amazing, right? I always think of, you know, when you look at some of the best companies or the best teams or duos or whatever it is, right? It's never one plus one, you know, two ordinary people getting together, creating two, right? It's, it's one plus one equals 10. And so when you can find those great people and pull them into your world and kind of, you know, have them in your ecosystem, you can do really powerful things. And you even said, you know, that's why you're given 70% of that weight in terms of some of your investing uh, decisions is it's all about the people and the team, right? So to just really emphasize that for anybody that is looking to level up into that next tier of their life or in their business or in your finances or whatever it may be, right? It's a big, you know, asterisk next to who you're surrounding yourself with and who you're attracting into your world um, and, and aligning yourself with is obviously very important. So as you had your, your big exit, um, Paul, you obviously had plenty of money to kind of live life and, and do what you wanted to do. Why go and continue down this grind and this path? And you know, where has it led you to what you're focusing on today now? I mean, a couple of things. Um, one, I want to make as much money as possible because that allows me to be more impactful with my nonprofits. So I run a school system in Haiti. I have 40 schools and 10,000 students. I'm running a big racial justice organization in Boston focused on wealth disparity. And I do a lot of work with homeless populations in Boston. And the more money I can make, the more impact I can have across those three nonprofits. The second thing is, you know, I don't think I'd be happy just sitting on a beach. Like while I was in Miami for the month of January, I worked because I love my work. Because work is all about ideation. And how do you invent new things? And how do you solve problems? And how do you come up with really clever, creative solutions? And I don't know, what can be more fun than being an entrepreneur or being an inventor? It's the most fun I can imagine. Amazing. I would rather do that than go kite surfing. I mean, kite surfing is cool, <laughs> but I'd rather create a company than go kite surfing. That's awesome. So really, you're, you're an impact-driven guy. The money has just showed up based on the value and impact you've created through your companies and your, your platforms. And 
touch on that just a little bit more in terms of like how important is it? You know, you see a lot of people who are building out their business plans and they're financially modeling whether it makes sense or not. And I know you kind of talked about it in terms of the team and the problem. Um, should people be really emphasizing how much money is tied to their business uh, model or should they really be looking at how big of an impact and how big of a problem, like you said earlier, it solves and then you know, double checking? How, how did you analyze kind of whether or not it made sense to go after some of these businesses from a financial aspect? I mean, I look at both. So for Lola, my business travel startup we knew that over a trillion dollars a year is spent on business travel. And we think the experience is pretty bad for a lot of companies about how to help support your team when they're on the road, how to handle when flights get canceled, how to get customer service at two in the morning. Um, we wanted to change that. And we knew it was a really, really big market. For other projects, like my podcast player that's coming out in March, it's called Moonbeam. The website, website is moonbeam.fm. We didn't look at that in terms of thinking how much money we're going to make doing a podcast player. That's more like I myself am obsessed with podcasts. I listen every night. I listen them during my commute. I spend a lot of time between Boston and New York. And I actually like driving. And I just listen to podcasts. And I just think podcast players are kind of shitty. Mm-hmm. And I wanted something different. So Moonbeam is about trying to solve a problem I have as a as an avid podcast listener in problems like, how do I discover a new podcast? Like, what should I be listening to? What am I missing? And I don't want to sit there and endlessly read about podcasts. I want to like sample and listen and use machine learning to help deliver really good content to me. And then I want to interact with my podcast host. If I listen to a show and I'm really inspired, I want to be able to talk to that host and send them comments. I want to be able to tip that host. I want to be able to click a button and send a dollar to that show when they inspire me or $10 or whatever. And so that is an example of a company, um, Lola, we saw that as a really big trillion dollar opportunity for Moonbeam. I just said, I think podcast players are terrible. I wanted something that can help listeners discover a show they might not have known about before and help them interact with those hosts. That's brilliant. I love when the more I dug into Moonbeam, I, it got me fired up. Obviously, I've been in podcasting you know, as a passion project and side hobby, it's never been a, a money thing for me. Um, but seeing how that can, you know, all of the dots that you're connecting that haven't been connected in that space, um, I can see that being a really big disruptor and a massive value add, not only to the, you know, the listener, right, but to the podcast host and to many of the platforms that they are uh, tied to. So guys, um, be sure to check out. We'll have this in the in the show notes at millionermindcast.com on Paul's episode. But check out some of the amazing companies that he's involved in and obviously has created. Many of you probably have heard of Kayak, um, which was the biggest one, but s- such a cool track record of success. And um, personally... Uh, Paul, I just appreciate how humble you are and, um, and and just kind of your disposition. And most importantly, one of the biggest reasons why I was like bringing on specific guests of the show is the fact that, yeah, you're successful and you've had a lot of great um, accolades in your business career, but how you lead and live your life uh, personally, um, those are always things that, in, in my opinion, are more valuable and interesting because I'm always looking for ways to kind of create more fulfillment and efficiency um, in my own life, right? Outside of everybody having their own different landscape of what their, you know, I guess mountain is that they're climbing. 
Um, there's that personal aspect that really, if those things aren't in alignment or aren't in order with your core values and your morals and your ethics, um, you just don't show up as purposefully and intentionally as you're climbing that mountain in business. And so uh, it's cool to kind of get a little bit behind the scenes in terms of your journey. For those that want to know more about you or follow what you're up to, where's the best place for them to do that? I mean, if they just Google me, there's probably a little bit too much stuff about about me out there. But um, you can find a lot of press about me or different interviews that I've done. And then also just, uh, I sort of shy to mention this, but a few years ago, someone wrote a book about me. So if you really want to learn a lot, there's actually a book out there. And you're actually endorsing it. So it must have been well written, right? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's, I mean, the writer, his name is Tracy Kidder. He's Pulitzer Prize winning. He's won every book award. He's one of the best biographers in the U.S. Wow. I don't know why he wanted to write a book about me, but um, he literally could write a book about the next person you meet on the bus and make an incredible book. He's just such a brilliant writer. And uh, we spent three years together. When he first approached me, I said no, because I'm a little shy. I don't like being the center of attention, but he kind of wore me down. He's an incredibly charismatic, just wonderful, wonderful guy. And uh, we spent three years together for that project. That's awesome, man. Well, we'll yeah. be sure to link that up as well. And obviously that says a lot about you, Paul. So um, in our short time together, man, I've really enjoyed getting to know you and, and hanging out and having some conversation. Everybody um, go to millionermindcast.com, check out uh, all the cool things, Lola, Moonbeam, Kayak. We'll have all the other, uh, the other businesses that um, Paul has been a part of. And, and obviously you've been investing in a lot of different things. Do you have people that come to you with you know business ideas or looking for seed money? If people want to get in contact with you outside of just learning about you, but maybe business inquiries, things like that, what is, you know, what's your temperature on that? Yeah, I get pitched probably four or five times a week. Um, if you Google me, you'll find my website with a contact link. Cool. And um, I invest in internet companies because that's where I have expertise. Awesome. So if one of your listeners has a really cool internet technology they're building, um, I can add some value there and I'd be happy to take a look. Paul English, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks so much. Thank you. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. And if you did, all I ask is that you share it with somebody else who maybe needs to hear this today or that could gain some value from something that was talked about or discussed in today's interview. You just never know one piece of information, a conversation, a tool, a resource can completely transform and change the trajectory of someone's life or their business. So if you get any kind of value or you want to support the show, all we ask is that you help us organically get this in front of more people. Also, for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth building journey and unlock more financial freedom, get more time back and just level up your life, your business, your finances, be sure to head over to therichlifeacademy.com to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family, whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, courses from our guests, all kinds of free content, downloads, checklists, upcoming event info, and how you can connect with us live, in person, all kinds of great valuable tools. You can get that over at therichlifeacademy.com. Last but not least, I always wanna know, who do you guys wanna hear me interview next? Let me know. Shoot me a text at 844-447-1555. With that being said, until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friend. 